Hi, everybody. This is Chuck Sipe, Assistant Superintendent for Roxbury Schools, here with another episode of Schoolhouse Rocks, a podcast. Uh, today, we are going to unveil the secret lives of VPs and APs. So I'm here today with some guests from our secondary level schools in our district um, to really talk about what an assistant principal, what a vice principal does, because I'm really hoping that today during our conversation, we can rebuke the common misconception that all assistant principals do is discipline. Um, you know, there's so much more to what they do and ways they support our children and our school communities. And so we're going to really dive deep into that today. Uh, so before we start doing that, let's introduce ourselves. So I'm going to invite my my esteemed guests here to introduce themselves, tell us what school they're from and what they do here in our school district. Hey, I'm Chris Zegar. I'm the assistant principal at Lincoln Roosevelt. Hi, I'm Christina LaMonica, the assistant principal at Eisenhower Middle School. William Crispino, assistant principal at Roxbury High School. Melissa Hall, assistant principal at Roxbury High School. And I'm Monica Mann, the director of school counseling uh, throughout the district. So, and I'm also a former assistant principal, so we can all kind of like share, you know, this this idea together um, because that is definitely something that frustrated me during my time as an assistant principal. So I really do appreciate you guys being here. Um, and so while I'm surrounded with four exceptional assistant principals, I've also invited Ms. Mrs. Mann to join us um, because the relationship between the assistant principals and the school counselors is really an important one for how we support students. Um, and so um, those folks often play different roles with how they interact with and support students. So we want to kind of dive into that a little bit today. And uh, I thought it was important to have Ms. Mann here so that she could kind of talk about how the school counselors work in uh, in collaboration with the assistant principal. So before we get into some specifics, let's kind of just talk like day to day. So each day, one of the things that makes the job fun and exciting is that no day is like any other day. So what are those, you know, kind of day to day responsibilities? What are you know, what are you doing? You're not just sitting in your office waiting for a kid to, to come knock on the door. Uh, what does what the kind of day to day look like for you? I guess I can go first because I have like the youngest kids, right? <laughs> so we have like a, a, a slash schedule in a lot of ways. So we have a lot of kids that come in that are elementary school kids. The first time they're all coming together. Um, and then we have our sixth grade kids who've spent a year all together, you know, throughout the district. So, um, you know, I'll come in. Um, I meet with teachers on the times that I'm not doing discipline. We, I'm generally around in the halls. Um, I'll be at lunches. A lot of times I'm just, you know, talking to kids um, if I have any time like in between. Um, you know, the other types of responsibilities. We're there, I think all of us too, are always there like greeting them in the morning and saying goodbye to them when they leave in the afternoon. So we're generally the first face you see as you come into the building and the last face you see when you leave every single day. Then it's a good, cool. good thing that you're always smiling. I'm always <laughs> smiling all the time, all the time. His face hurts. It does. I've been doing some exercises to relax it. Very good. All right. All right, so at really? EMS, um, I'm also at the front door. You probably smile more than I do, though. <laughs> um, but I greet the kids as they come in, and it's all about establishing relationships, especially at the middle school level. It's so important because middle school is such a difficult age. Everybody's trying to figure out who they are and where they fit in and who their friends are, and being able to establish one-on-one -on -one relationships as well as group relationships with them is very important. Um, throughout the day, I'll walk the halls, kind of pop into classrooms, just see how they're doing, see how the teachers are doing, provide support for both. Um, a lot of times I'll have kids come in and show me their new outfit or their new nails or their new hair or their friend group or talk about what they did over the weekend, which I, I love being able to do. And then I'll be in the cafeterias just monitoring, making sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to do as well. Um, and then just kind of really checking in with everyone throughout the day and, and providing whatever support I need and then kind of 
the same thing with as they're leaving at the end of the day, wishing them well, hoping that they had a good day and checking in with them if they need anything for the upcoming days or weeks. Um, let me add that one. And I think it's the same with you as well, which is like, um, you know, we're not just doing that alone either because like, the counselors are like a huge part of that. And I think I'm really lucky in, in the two counselors that, that I have, uh, Ms. Urban and Ms. Del Russo at that school because they're constantly in the mix doing some, the same thing. So it's not just, you're not just seeing me as somebody who's going to be there. We're always there as, a, you know, another support network that's there. You know, it's not just me standing out there in the morning. They're there as well. So you kind of almost like walk through this whole grouping of different types of support staff so we can you can see anybody you really need prior to getting in the building. Well, I think that's the big thing, though, is that even though we each have our individual roles, it's collaborative. Like we're all just one big team kind of working together for the same goal of the betterment of the kids. So same with with the middle school where I have Mrs. Lomantan, I have um, Mrs. Torres Davis, where where they're grade leveled and we just kind of work together, whether it be for 504s or team meetings or student meetings or counseling or support or, or even monitoring the cafeterias or welcoming them, um, welcoming them throughout the day. And just piggybacking off of that, building relationships is our main goal at the high school. In the morning, uh, 7.25, when those kids walk in, we are smiling and they are half asleep. They probably can't stand us, but it's really, really important that we get to know their names. We get to know, like, you know, how they're doing in sports. Um, it goes so far beyond what happens, you know, in the classroom. And that is our main priority. Being in the hallways, uh, Mr. Crispino and I are hardly ever at our desks. Uh, we try to get out, we try to be present and make those relationships. It's key. Walking the halls and greeting the students off the bus and making relationships with the bus drivers as well, because that's important. They're on the front lines for us as well. They're, they're the first people in our district that see our students in the morning. So it's important to establish relationships with our bus drivers as well, because they provide feedback to us as well as in terms of where the students are at and, and if there's any concerns for students. Um, and again, Making those relationships with the teachers, the students, the staff uh, is really important in terms of us being able to do our jobs in the best way possible. So, you know, one of the things that I'm kind of hearing you all say, which is a common theme, is that theme of uh, relationships and kind of establishing that connection with students, right, throughout the entire day. And it's funny because one of you just mentioned, you know, being out in the school. I think Ms. Hall just said that. And, you know, it's one of the things that's equally exciting slash, you know, frustrating, I'll be honest, for me. Like, if I come to the school because I need to work with one of you or talk to you, uh, I know where I cannot find you, and that's in your offices. So I'm actually happy about that, but it sometimes makes it a little challenging to connect um, because you're out in the school, in the hallways, in classrooms, in the cafeteria, you know, amongst the students and the teachers, which is where those relationships are established and supported. You know, and one of the other things you started to talk about, but I kind of want to, like, bring it together is... I think you all work hard not only with your teachers but amongst the school community with your fellow administrators to kind of do what you at all levels, which is set clear expectations, right? This is a community. There are norms that we need to kind of adhere to in order for everyone to operate successfully and to coexist. And then I think you do your, your best to really support students in their ability to meet those expectations and exceed in them. But I think you all have a real healthy recognition that part of a kid's job description is make mistakes, right? Kids make mistakes. They make poor decisions. They make decisions they thought were good ones, and sometimes they don't pan out that well. Um, you know, th that the intention, more often than not, isn't malicious. It's just, you know, kids do kid things, and part of our job as the grown-ups is to help support them in 
understanding what makes a good decision and how to make a better decision next time when they find themselves in that situation. And so, you know, right in the beginning, you know, Chris mentioned discipline, I mentioned discipline, but I think you guys have worked really hard, especially the four of you in concert with Miss Mann and the counselors to move to a more of a restorative approach, how to, you know, proactive approaches to supporting students in those situations. So there's so much more that you all do, but since we kind of introduced that idea, let's talk about it a little bit. Let's talk about what you've done to kind of move the needle away from, in fairness, the the experience that I'm familiar with having been a student, which was kind of like you do something, here's the accountability measure, here's the punishment, here's the consequence, don't do it again. Um, and we just kind of know as we've evolved in this business, that's not how the brain works, that's not how adolescent psychology works, right? Um, students and kids are drawn to to these situations sometimes. So how do we help support them? How do you work and collaborate with families and teachers, right? Because it is a partnership. Everyone's working together. So let's talk a little bit about how you guys have worked uh, through your own levels, but also together and with the counseling department, uh, because let's, you know, let's say it here because it often gets misconstrued. Sometimes the counselors and the counseling department are not responsible for discipline, right? They're not vice principals. They're not responsible for the discipline. They're student advocates, just like you are, but they kind of advocate for students in a different way. So let's wrap all of that up and talk a little bit about how we've worked to shift in the schools towards more of a responsive approach to support students with moving forward and better decision-making. Okay. So I'll start. Um, I'm very lucky at the middle school because I'm right in the middle and I get to work with both um, Dr. Zegar and I get to work with Mr. Crispino and Ms. Hall, even Mr. Miller and Mr. Argenziano and Mr. Gallagher and I were able to kind of collaborate on all of it. And what we want to do is we want to look at the whole child. Every person that walks through that building, there is so much more going on. And I, even as a teacher, I used to share with my students, you don't know what happened in the morning that maybe I tripped and fell and I spilled my coffee and I didn't get to eat breakfast and I didn't sleep well the night before. And there's so much more going on that maybe my bad choice or my bad mood is just a result of whatever it is that's gone on in my life that day. And being able to look at all of the students that that might be something that's going on for them is so important, which is why those relationships are so important as well. So sometimes being able to sit down with a student and not just dish out a consequence for whatever impulsive impulsivity or bad choice, but finding out what's going on, really getting down to what's going on. And honestly, one of the things that we've all talked about is that relationship is core because if they don't feel comfortable and safe enough with us, we're not going to get to that, which is why the counseling department is so important. Even our CST is so important to be able to get to the roots of those situations and and giving the child even some time to reflect on what it was or maybe what a better choice would have been or what they could have done differently and and giving them a moment to just sit and think and then have that conversation. And, you know, just putting a kid in a detention room doesn't accomplish that. There needs to be those conversations. Our counselors will come in and they'll they'll meet with the students and talk to them. If there's something that's happened, my counselors are the first ones that I call in. Like, let's sit, talk to them and find out what's going on. And, and they're so responsive and so wonderful with doing that, that I just feel very lucky to work with not only the other administrators, but with my counseling department as well. So at the high school, we're actually in year three of a restorative justice grant with Kane University. And it really has given us uh, a lot of resources and time to reflect on, you know, how we're working with our students and that educational aspect that's really been missing um, in regards to discipline. Uh, and like you were saying before, uh, focusing on that whole child, uh, focusing on, you know, what the root cause of the issue is and working as a team, working with the counseling department. Also with the teacher, you know, if a teacher is writing up a student, it's, you know, we get the teachers involved as well. We get the parents involved. It is a collaborative effort because we know we need to send that student back into that classroom. And we also know that, 
you know, if we were just to give them a consequence and send them back into the classroom, chances are they're going to do the same thing over again. So focusing on that whole child, repairing the harm that was caused, those are core, uh, core reasons that, you know, we do what we do. In addition to that, I think it just starts with when we're having these conversations with our students or dealing with discipline is having the conversation, finding out what's going on. Because a lot of times when students are misbehaving, it could be a cry for help. Um, and, and we want to understand what that help may need to be. Um, and it could be a variety of things. And that opens up the door to our relationship with our guidance department. Through the restorative grant with uh, Keene University, we've used some of that grant to create a wellness room. Uh, where this could be a room where de-escalation happens or the conversations that we're having with our students takes place in terms of discipline and just having an alternate location. And this room has really come together enormously. Um, there's restorative things in there. There's manipulatives. There's new furniture that we utilize to have to engage the students with these conversations. Uh, and again, this might be a space where a student who's having a really rough day, we identify that student. And this could be a room that they utilize for 10 minutes throughout the day and just a place for them to kind of regroup have that conversation with a member of our guidance department and, and they move forward with their day. And we have, we have those conversations ongoing. They don't just stop uh, in their tracks. We, it's something that we document and we check in with those students and we utilize our guidance department to make sure those things happen. Yeah. I, when we, we think about things like a, like restorative practices and, and kind of get it and to get an understanding. Sorry, I wasn't close enough to the microphone. So um, we, we talk about something like restorative practices. Um, I have to think about it as, as a way of moving forward, right? You can't, as a student or any, you know, anybody else who, who harms somebody or does something, you know, breaks a rule, you know, you can't change the fact that it already happened. Like, that's theirs. But what students really want, I found, it, you know, at, at all levels, is the ability to feel like they have some control. And if the focus is always on the thing that had occurred, they have very little control. It's all about what happened and what we're about to do to you instead of what you can do. And I think this kind of goes back to, um, and I use this analogy when, when, when people ask about uh, restorative practices all the time. And I, I talk, it's like the difference between trying to create a ceasefire and trying to do peacekeeping, right? So when two sides are in conflict with one another, you do a ceasefire, you know what happens? They stop punching each other. They stop doing whatever. They, start harm, they stop harming each other for the moment when you're watching or maybe for a little while afterwards. But it doesn't bring anybody forward. Right. So what's peace me? Uh, what's peacekeeping do? Well, peacekeeping, you know, when when they do an international sense is we take people who have a problem. We've tried to figure out what the history of that problem is. We try to make it so it doesn't happen again. And part of that is growth. So part of it is going to be, you know, something that doesn't feel so great. You know, you're going to get a detention. You're going to be you're going to have to do some sort of uh, assignments with it. You're going to have to try to work to make it better. But the good news about that is that that part's in your control. So now you get to take ownership of the steps of moving forward and you get to get praised at it for moving forward. And you have to like do something to make things better for the person you did it to, right? So we're not just focusing on the person who broke the rule. We have to also focus on like, well, how do you help the person that this stuff happened against? And I think in a lot of ways, it creates a situation where there's less likelihood that it's gonna happen in the future. And that's really the overall goal. Like how do we get kids to start growing into responsible young adults so that when they leave our care, you know, they, they have that self-regulation for themselves. And so I think that's a really great uh, segue into bringing Mrs. Mann into this conversation um, because what one of the things you just said there, Chris, is about helping support our students become responsible young adults in that transition, which is a, a journey throughout school. I think oftentimes as adults, it's easy to just 
think or, you know, well, why did they do that? They should have known better because we think about it and look at it from an adult lens because we've already traveled this journey. We've probably already made our share of mistakes, right? And we've had, hopefully, an adult there or some people that we can trust and love or both, and they help us figure out what we did wrong and how to not do it again. Um, and so it's sometimes hard to separate that adult outlook from the perception of a kid, right? I mentioned before, you know, brain development, we know that the age of adolescence extends up into the late 20s, right? That that period is defined as a relative inability to recognize future consequences based on actions. And so if, if we know that that period extends into the 20s, like for us to hold a nine-year-old responsible the same way we would hold an adult is somewhat comical in, in nature, right? Although, you know, and also recognizing every kid is different. So Mrs. Mann, you know, as the supervisor of all the school counselors in the district, you know, like, Talk about that, you know, Chris, and, you know, these guys have all talked about this journey of responding to and supporting students, and the counselors play a big role in that. So talk, talk a little bit about how these folks collaborate with the counselors and what that joint venture looks like. So generally, what I've seen is that at all levels, when a student is having an issue of some sort, it could be anything, whether it's acting out behaviorally in class, whether, you know, they're sad, um, a lot of times that will come through and... Um, whether it comes through administration or it comes through teachers, the, that's where the counselors play a big role in um, finding out what the root cause of whatever it is, um, ha- helping the students to reflect on um, what's causing them to be upset or act out, and then um, start thinking through what um, some good decision-making would be, what uh, you know, how to move forward. So it's very much a collaborative effort from everyone in the building and including uh, parents as well. So, and and necessary too because they the students don't open up to me the same way they're going to open up to, to the counselors because when I'm in that room, there's always that fear that something is right. going to happen, right? Where they feel they can, they can talk about what's going on. And as I stated beforehand, like I'm just really lucky in the counselors I have because they're unbelievably professional. They're very very good. And I think that's I think that's the difference in the role too, is that you know, students are starting to recognize that, you know, the counselor, they can open up to the counselor and kind of dig into the root, whereas, you know, they may not do that with the assistant principals, even though their intention is there to do that. I have to re- agree with that because I have to, a lot of times when we're meeting with students, uh, they are a lot more comfortable with confiding in their guidance counselor. And uh, it really helps. It, it helps to have them involved. You know, if it's a disciplinary infraction, having them in there uh, to kind of, there's many times that we'll be in meetings and we'll say, okay, you know, you can go and talk to your counselor right now. So we're very lucky at the high school that we have such a collaborative group. And I I think this conversation is important because, you know, if you think about the primary purpose of a school, most folks would probably say it's learning, right? And I would have a tendency to agree with that. Um, But learning is so much more than academics and curriculum and content, right? There's that social learning that is is super important. And I think even in our introduction, you know, we kind of went up through the years, you know, Chris started and then Christina jumped in and then Bill and Melissa kind of talked about the high school because that growth trajectory is kind of that a consistent pattern where we support students in lots of ways. And so while our conversation here primarily has been, you know, surrounding supporting students with decision making and, and what have you. You all do so much more proactively that I think probably goes under or unrecognized. And those, I think, are, t- are two different things. Unrecognized, meaning people don't actually know you're a part of things in the school. And underrecognized, meaning people take for granted 
uh, the complexities of some of the things you do. So uh, in an ideal world, we don't ever have to deal with discipline or student management, right? Because everyone's doing the right things and making the right decisions, but that's just unrealistic. And so some of the other things that you guys get involved in to try and help set the stage for a positive experience, right? You help design and support INRS plans, 504 plans, you know, for students you work collaboratively, as someone mentioned it before with the child study team to implement IEPs, you know, and all of those things generally revolve around a youngster needing additional support, whether it be behaviorally, academically, socially, emotionally, some combination of those things. And if we want to be fair, we all probably at some point can use supports like that. So you guys are involved with that. You are support youngsters who maybe struggle with attendance, who may not make great decisions with technology, because let's be fair, technology is kind of escaping a controllable arena, and it requires more monitoring than it ever has before. Uh, you help prepare schedules for students and for teachers, and you try and make great combinations that make learning magical in the classroom for not only the kids, but also for the teacher. So let's start to talk about some of the other things, because you guys are involved in so much um, far beyond you know what we've already discussed here. Let's talk a little bit about some of the other things that you're involved in and leading, which includes collaborating with teachers and implementing plans and developing plans. I guess I should have said that first, right? We develop the plan, then we implement the plan, then we reflect on the plan. Yeah, so one of our big responsibilities here as assistant principals is 504 coordination. And you know, that takes a major collaborative approach because we might be getting medical documentation from a doctor or a psychiatrist, a psychologist, and that's where the information gathering starts. And then from there, we're going to get parent input. We're going to get input from all the teachers that the student has throughout the day to hear where the strengths are and also the weaknesses. And, and we want to then come together as a team, uh, and we're coordinating all of this, to develop a 504 plan that will give that student the best opportunity at success and knock down some of the barriers that might exist for that student within the classroom. Um, again, that's a lot of information, but it's a, a collaborative approach, you know, with all the parties involved. We'll also reach out to our nurses um, and, and get them on board as part of the team uh, and bring all these people together. Uh, and again, that's an opportunity for the student to also provide feedback too. Uh, and, and we believe in the high school where the student should be the number one advocate because they're the ones that are sitting in that seat every single day and we want to hear their feedback. And that, again, helps us build a relationship with that student to hear what their experience is like as a student at Roxbury High School. I have to just jump in to emphasize something that you just said, Bill, which is super important and is a huge shift in the educational landscape. Um, I'm going to say over the last five to 10 years, which is that intentional soliciting of student voice. Um, you know, it, far too frequently the adults, you know, have, have been taught, like, we're just going to tell the kids what to do and they're going to do it. The reality is that's not this generation of, of student. It's not how they respond. They don't um, respond well to that. And as cultures and norms shift, you know, one of the things that I think you all do a really great job in, in not only working with the teachers and students, but in your own school community to keep that positive culture up is the intentional solicitation of student voice and responding to it, right? Because um, it's not in um, unfamiliar territory for students to have a different opinion or per opinion or perception or both than the grown-ups. So how do we find some common ground there? Because that helps build investment. So I'm really glad that you brought that idea up because student voice and student input really is important. And while I think high school students probably can articulate it a little bit better based on their age and their experience, I know you, that Christina and Chris, you guys do that even at your levels too. And we do it at the elementary level to kind of get that student voice to become a part of um, how we make decisions and how we design and support school, a positive culture. But that's all that whole child, again, going back to that and, and forming those relationships and really finding out what's going on at the core of things. So 
there might be something that we think we're doing in good faith or the right way. And just that student is like, no, that's really not working for me. And if we don't give them the opportunity to voice that and to tell us, if we don't know, we can't do better. So we need to know those things and they need to have that opportunity to voice that in an open forum where they can be comfortable enough to tell us exactly what they need or exactly what they're feeling. And whether it be with us, with the counselors, with the teachers, but to be able to be a part of the choices. And middle school is is one of those times too where they're starting to, I equate it to riding a bike. They're, they're riding down the bike, elementary school, you're holding it, you're running alongside of it. By the time they get to the middle school, we're pushing that bike and we're letting them go. They're falling back and forth. We pick them back up, we get them back on to ride again. So that's part of it is they're, they're trying to choose what they need to do differently so that they can continue to ride that bike without falling. And, and that's part of the landscape that we have to provide them. Yeah. So I think in, you know, the difference in a lot of cases between as a student ages, um, it goes from being like in an elementary setting or an immediate setting, which is where I am to being in a high school setting is kind of like how we structure spaces for that, for that type of student voice. Right. So like as students are a little bit younger, um, there's a lot of focus on creating space for uh, something called advisory, which has opened up time for students to be able to give their opinions, also to work on specific types of skills together. Um, so there's a lot of culture building that goes into that. Now, I, I'm partially, so everything within our building, I'm just going to put this out, is like done collectively. It, you know, it's, it's me, it's, it's uh, you know, Mr. Argenziano, it, it's um, Ms. Del Russo and, and Ms. Urban meeting together in the mornings, you know, with a lot of this. So, but I think, you know, when you, you try to establish student voice, uh, what you want to do is you want to look for active student voice and not just passive student voice. A passive student voice is fine. Like you want to figure out how kids feel about something. You can survey them. That's great. Right. But you want active student voice, too, where there's kind of an interplay back and forth between you and the students. And, and that creates that means creating time, which is hard to do a lot of times. But, you know, whether you do that through clubs that, you know, happen after school or, or things that happen or advisory that, you know, we have time out in the morning. You know, it's, it's a way of trying to get that active participation. Uh, before we move on and continue with this, I do think that we did mention 504 and we did mention INRS, which probably is a good time to actually define what that is for people who are listening. So, yeah, you, you're uh, reading my mind. So I was actually on my phone and I think you, people are looking at me like, why is he on his phone while we're doing this? I was Because I didn't know the number. So if you are looking for additional information on INRS or 504, those are new concepts for you. I'm going to take this opportunity for a shameless plug. Episode 23 uh, we actually did a whole episode on the continuum of services um, with some of my colleagues. I know Mrs. Gallagher was there also because we talked about how that trajectory moves into special services. So if you're wondering about what those things are and um, how they may impact your child, you can certainly listen in far greater detail, episode 23, uh, entitled Continuum of Services. But real quickly, an INRS plan is a plan that is designed amongst the school staff, teachers, counselors, administration, to support a student with interventions that can be provided to really any student um, in a way that would not significantly impact their ability to receive or participate in their education. The big difference between an INRS plan and a 504 plan is that there's some impacting medical condition that is um, significantly impacting their ability to perform one or more major life functions. And I, while that language may sound strange, that's the language from the law. Uh, of course, learning is a major life function. All right, so that's kind of a real quick version. But again, I, you must have sensed out there that I wanted to plug another episode, and in fact, it is 23. <laughs> well, we used to work together a lot, so I feel like there's we're still in the same wavelength. That's fair. Yeah. Um, you want to keep going down that road, or we want to talk about yeah, something else? Yes. No, let's talk about that. So um, in the very beginning, I think, Bill, you're the one that mentioned moving forward, the idea of moving forward. And so um, I think your all day-to-day -day responsibilities are, don't ever end today, right? The, the figurative today, they end sometime in the future, right? Because it's a constant journey of helping students 
improve, get better, again, in any one of those arenas, socially, emotionally, academically, right, behaviorally. And I think recognizing what that student needs and understanding it's different from other students. Um, and I think that's one of the big roles that you all as assistant principals play, as well as Mrs. Mann and the counselors, in supporting the entire school community and recognizing that sometimes there is something more important than the content lesson. There is a, a barrier that is hindering a stu student's ability to participate in that lesson or receive that learning. And so the phrase often comes up, safe and ready to learn, right? So I think if I had to summarize what you all do, you're really in that constant journey to ensure that the school environment is a safe, ready to learn place for every kid. And where I think you've all taken it to the next level is I think you work hard to recognize, acknowledge, and support the folks in the school community to acknowledge, to understand that safe and ready to learn place is different for every kid, which sounds like an impossible feat. And in many ways, I think that's a fair, fair perception. And so that's kind of what I wanted to, uh, you know, establish here today with having you come in is I want a, a deeper understanding to be, you know, begun. It, it, I want us to begin to have a deeper understanding for the role, the integral role you all play in the school community far beyond hollering at a kid, right? Which might have been our experience. That's how I would have described my interaction with administration as a kid. And maybe that was my fault and my inability to make good decisions. <laughs> uh, but that's probably a different episode for another time. Um, so let's just kind of continue and just wrap that up. And we'll make that one of our last comments is other ways that you're contributing. You know, you serve on a variety of committees, use, you know, solicit student voice. Let's talk about what those look like. You oversee activities at the high school. You know, there, we the list of... I guess, job description type things is kind of never ending for you all. So let's just wrap up with some of the other things that you do to, to support students and, you know, the positive experience for them and the kit and the teachers. So a big misconception is that we are just strictly the disciplinarians and there really is so much other things that we do within the school. Uh, in addition to the 504s, INRS, but we really do try to highlight students uh, accomplishments. Uh, we have our student of the month. We have our staff member of the month. Uh, you know, we're building school climate and cultures. We're listening to student voice. We have a lot of students that come up to us with areas of concern and we listen to them and we form committees. One of the most recent committees that we formed was the inclusivity committee. We actually had a awesome summit with schools from all over Morris County uh, that came together for that. So, you know, there is so much that goes so far beyond, you know, just what people perceive our role to be. And also we're in charge of clubs and activities. Uh, you know, a lot of times when we meet with students, the first thing we ask them is, what are you doing after school? There is something for everybody. So we are really strong advocates for whether you're in the performing arts, clubs or activities, athletics, being involved. We're trying to develop a well-rounded student and an individual. I think that it just hits the nail on the head in terms of uh, one of our jobs here is the clubs and activities and school climate and culture, um, because we want our students to all have a sense of belonging and a sense of community in our, in our Roxbury schools. Uh, so when we do have a student that we're, we're seeing from time to time and they're not involved, we want to get them involved because it's going to give them a stronger sense of community, a stronger sense of belonging to our school and a sense of pride. Uh, one of the things that we instituted last year, which we're going to expand next year, is uh, something called Gale Cup, which is completely student-driven. Um, it kind of transforms the old... Uh, traditional form of a, of a pep rally. The students come up with these events on their own. They're student-led, uh, and it brings the school community together. 
uh, each grade level contributes to these events um, and it really brings the kids together. And again, we build off of those positive experiences for our students so that they do have that sense of belonging and, and, we, and we get to interact with the students in a different way. Um, and one of the other things that we do uh, from day to day is attendance. Uh, that's one of our earliest red flags that something might be going on with a student. So that might be the first uh, path forward to opening up a conversation with a student in terms of trauma that they might be feeling or something else that's going on in their lives that we need to know about. Um, so th that's the day to day operation for an assistant principal in Roxbury High School. So one of the things you just said, and sorry, Christina, you were going to jump in. I, I cut you off there. It, right at the end there, Bill, you mentioned, and I think that's important, is recognizing and understanding that other things happen in people's lives. And I think it's, you know, too, I think too frequently we as adults expect children to be able to put that stuff on the sideline with a, without a fair expectation or acknowledgement that we have a hard time doing that, right? Like as we also are part of this human experience, you know, and as adults, we, we, it, we have things that happen in our lives that take our head out of the game. Sometimes they make us irritable. They make us grumpy, right? Thing. And they can put us not in the best state of mind. And we expect sensitivity. We expect understanding as adults, you know? Um, and sometimes we fail to acknowledge that the kids, even though, you know, these are little humans, they still have that same, that's those same needs. And in some ways, those are um, exacerbated by their, their need to continue to understand how to regulate emotions, how to interact with other people, right? Because they haven't had that same life experience that we have. And so it's a good unintentional segue back to the middle level with Chris and Christina, because a, a significant portion of the real learning that happens at the middle level is emotional, it is behavioral, it is social, um, you know, and so I think it's a great way to get back down to the middle level here as we come close to the end, which is supporting students in, in those ways. Cause I know you guys are also both very involved while you don't have the same elements that a high school would have, because that's a natural piece of a high school. Talk about your role in some of those auxiliary programs and supports at Eisenhower and at Lincoln Roosevelt. So at Eisenhower, we have peer leaders, we have our advisory committee and our clubs and, and the students really lead those on their own. They come up with what they're going to be doing. There are different activities. They meet on their own as well with some advisors to really put things in place that the students want to hear, that the students want to do maybe a different issue or situation or topic that's come up that they really want to focus on for that month, which is a huge part of it. We have a lot of clubs and activities too at the middle school, which um, again, there's something for everyone, whether it be a gaming club, whether it be sports club, whether it be art or chess, or I mean, there's, there's so much that's going on. Um, but I and I hate to minimize anything, but for me, especially at the middle school, it really just comes down to a lot of conversation, a lot of having my door open and allowing the groups of students that are maybe dealing with something social or emotional that's really bothering them to come in and have that conversation with me. Sitting down with a group of kids at a lunch table or seeing a kid that maybe just looks a little differently than he did yesterday. Maybe he seems a little down or a little sad going and sitting and having that conversation with them and opening that door to really know that they do belong. They are with us. And a lot of times that mitigates or, or prevents some of those behaviors or those because they know that they're accepted. Our counselors are phenomenal at doing that also. They walk around, whether it be the cafeteria, the halls, and really just pop in and just, hey, why don't you come down and see me? Um, and, and I mean, there are, there's 504 and INRS and attendance and and um, whether it be tardies or, or absences or behaviors or whatever and CST and guidance. It's really those relationships at the middle level are are just core to grabbing them for those social emotional and, and to help them to be able to be successful in high school, to know that they can rely on us and depend on us. Yeah. I mean, I, I 
want to go back to the fact that I feel like I'm really lucky and that I have a really good team. You know, I, we talk about our role, but a lot of it is, you know, we, we work collectively on a lot of different matters. So, you know, we have, you know, we, we have a, a team that really respects each other. Um, you know, Mr. Argenziano is fantastic. And, and the, the faculty there is, is open, you know, constantly for a lot of those type of conversations we have, specifically when we're talking about tracking a student and, and trying to give them different types of supports within the classroom. Um, you know, talking a little bit about conversations. Um, I'm lucky in the fact that I'm I'm the one who's privileged to not have my office in the main office, which I think is an, an unbelievable um, like asset for me because you don't have to walk into the office to get to me. You have to pass me. I'm like right outside in the hallway, so people come in. Sometimes it's like Grand Central Station in there. Like you've like people have seen it where like you have to fight through a crowd to get back into my my office. But I think it's great because it really opens up the opportunity. Uh, the amount of kids that I get to say hi to um, who wave into my office or stop in is is great because they don't have to go out of their way to do it. And it really helps me build relationships with kids. Um, other things with communication, too, which I, th I think is is really important, is trying to figure out. I think we're in a unique position at Lincoln Roosevelt because those kids have never been together. And we have very, very diverse um, sending schools. They're just different communities. It's not better or worse. They're just different, right? They have different cultures and trying to place kids together when they all come. So, um, you know, we do a lot of, a lot to try to help the best way we can. I mean, we do make mistakes. We do try, like we're still growing, you know, we grow in the process. We're, you know, trying to make the best decisions we can, but I'll, um, meet, you know, everybody sends me a list. I read through, um, you know, a specific document on every single kid. Um, I'll meet with every single principal. We'll have long discussions about every kid that that's coming to us. Um, and then what we will do is we'll create a schedule to try to make sure that, you know, kids will see other kids that they've they've known, um, but they'll also try to pair them the best we possibly can in the best situation we can to help them succeed. Um, and that's a lot of that upfront about kind of what we're doing now is is kind of looking and creating about not just, you know, this kid scored this and this kid scored this on there. This kid needs this type of support to be able to be at their full potential, regardless of what that number is on on those, you know, uh, NJSLA scores, right? We call them NJSLA right now again. We haven't moved around yet. We haven't changed the name yet. No, I think the name's been the same for three years running, which means it's probably about time for us to Yeah, it's about time we change that to something completely indistinguishable. Good. Yep. <laughs> so, all right, as we bring this to a close, I just want to go back to Mrs. Mann because I know that the school counselors are a really valuable um, asset um, to what the assistant principals are doing. And so, you know, while this conversation is revolved around 512, you supervise K-12 school counselors as a district um, director there. Um, and that process of building culture is consistent. So just one last piece, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with that strategy of how the counselors and the assistant principals work together, just so that everyone really can recognize the partnership that exists there. So even going down to the elementary school, um, the counselors and the principals are working very, very closely together all the time. Um, you know, trying to establish uh, what's best for students. Um, and that kind of trickles all the way up. So it trickles um, then to Lincoln Roosevelt, um, where they're all working collabor collaboratively, uh, then to EMS and then the high school in terms of, you know, helping to best support students, whatever that may look like. And it looks different for every kid. So that's really a collaborative nature all the way, all the way through. All right. Well, I appreciate you all coming here today. Hopefully, after listening to this, uh, we have an increased understanding of how involved you all are with supporting the students in your schools and recognize very clearly that 
kids all need something different, and part of that journey looks, you know, is different for every kid. And so, how you respond to and support them alongside the teachers and the counselors really is critical. So, um, you know, feel free to reach out to your assistant principals if you have questions um, on operations of the schools. The counselors are also around to help you. Um, you know, it really is a collaborative effort, probably more so than schools have ever been in the past. You know, we've really been working hard. Uh, to break down those silos of responsibility and really build in partnerships and collaborative effort. Um, and we really are here to, you know, with the best interest of students in mind. And I think these folks are exceptional at understanding that that looks different for every kid and every family. Um, so, you know, these, these are allies on your team. These are folks on your children's journey that are definitely there to support them and scaffolding in structures to help them reach their fullest potential and be able to articulate a vision for their future that makes sense for them um, and is one where they can be fulfilled and you know reach their life life goals. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.